0: Welcome to the podcast of Living Water Bible Fellowship. We are a church in Alamosa, Colorado, and here you can find our sermons and other occasional teachings. We hope and pray that this podcast encourages you in your walk with Jesus and increases your understanding of God's Word and the Gospel. Through Jesus, Anyone can have new life, can have freedom, and can have ultimate salvation. Stick around to the end of this podcast to learn more about what the gospel is and how to be saved. And now, on to our teaching.
1: Well, good morning. My name is Eric Palmer, and I am an elder here. I'm also the director of missions. And uh, I'm giving your your sermon today, so hang on to your seats, I think. (laughs) So So it was the summer of 2014, and I was on an airplane back from New York, and I was reading a book called Radical by David Platt. At the end of the book, he poses five challenges to his readers. One of those challenges is to spend 2% of your year in a different culture, a different context, a different climate. 2% of your year roughly equates to a week seven days okay not too bad we can all give up a week to do something out of our comfort zone right so god had called me at that point to go on a mission trip didn't tell me where didn't tell me when just told me i had to go problem was i'd never been on a mission trip before so when my wife and i had gotten married in 2004 we had friends and family that were missionaries long-term missionaries but we felt that it was not the life for us rather we decided we'd be a missionary supporting couple a missionary supporting couple however when god chose to bring salvation to you and me he didn't send silver or gold he didn't send a cash or check he sent himself his son matthew 28 is often known as the great commission in it He says, Go therefore and make disciple of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. How would I ever show the gospel to the world if all I ever did was send money? Money is not the answer. Money does not spread The message of salvation. Now, there are several ways I could respond to this call to go on a mission trip. We're going to look at three of them today, all from the Old Testament. So the first one is from Jonah. So if you're turning your Bibles to me, to Jonah 1. Jonah 1, verses 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah says, here I am, but I'm not going to (laughs) go. I could have done the same thing. I I could have told God, I'm here. I'm ready to go on a mission trip. But I'm not going to go. I could have chosen to do my own thing instead of obey God's word. Well, many of us know what happened to Jonah. He disagrees with God, he intends to escape from his divinely appointed task. He's thrown overboard of a ship and swallowed by a giant fish. He spends three days and three nights in the belly of that giant fish. Jonah had the gifts. He had the power, he had the ability, but he didn't have the availability. He hesitated, stalled, turned the other way, he rebelled against God. We know that we can't run from God, he's everywhere. How many times have we done this when God calls us to do something or even to say something? We turn away; We go the opposite direction. Thankfully, God is a God of second chances. Jonah did eventually go to Nineveh, and he saved the city. What would have happened if I had tried to run from God? My life would have been very different, as we'll see later on. Our next example comes from Exodus chapter 3. Exodus 3, we'll read verses 10 through 11. Exodus three ten through 11. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? God is giving Moses his life mission right here. Telling Moses what he has to do. However, Moses said, essentially says, send someone else. I could have told God, I'm not the type of person to go on a mission trip. I could have made excuse after excuse. I'm busy. I don't have the money. I don't know who to go with. Well, we know what happened to Moses. God had to convince Moses just to even go to Egypt let alone speak to Pharaoh. God showed Moses that he would be with him, and that's there in verse 12 where he says, he said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. We see in the next chapter, Exodus 4, verses 10 through 13, That Moses still is not convinced. So, if you'll look at me with Exodus 4, verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute, or deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore, go, and I will be your mouth, and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, O oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Moses made excuse after excuse. Wasn't a good speaker. I'm not quick-witted. I'm not eloquent. I'm not good enough. Someone else will be better than me. Prophet Jeremiah had a very similar excuse. Except he says, I'm young. I don't know what to say. Well, what happened to Moses? God responds again to Moses by assuring him that he will be with him. He's the one who created the human abilities and their limitations, including speech. God will be guiding Moses' words and teaching him what to say. God is so patient with Moses. Moses. He's patient with us. Moses' concerns, promises, his presence, and provides reassurance. God does the same with us. Despite Moses' initial doubts, he eventually accepted God's call and became a very pivotal figure in the release of the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. However, God also appointed Aaron... Moses' brother, to be Moses' mouthpiece. So perhaps Moses lost some of his credibility when he was in front of Pharaoh because now he had Aaron speaking for him. We'll never know. This passage highlights God's sovereignty and ability to work through our own weaknesses. It underscores the importance of trusting in God's strength and guidance even when we feel inadequate or insufficient. Moses was buried in his own insecurities, as we often are. Do you do this? Do you make excuses when you get a God calling? Again, my life would have been drastically different had I made excuses why I couldn't go on a mission trip. The last passage we'll look at is Isaiah 6.8. Isaiah 6, 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, this is Isaiah speaking, saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. So Isaiah has a vision. He hears a voice. He's commissioned to go to the nations. Well, I didn't have a vision, but it was clear to me That in God's voice, in that moment in the airplane, I had to go. So I said, Lord, send me. I'm ready. Send me is not just a prayer, though. It's a statement. It's a prayer and a statement. This verse is often quoted, Isaiah 6, 8, to emphasize the willingness and readiness of individuals to respond to to God's call and to serve. Isaiah's response signifies his dedication and readiness to be a messenger for God even despite his own feelings of inadequacy. But Isaiah didn't this pray this prayer, didn't pray this prayer in a vacuum. There was a purpose behind it. In the very first verse of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah sets the scene. If you'll turn back a few ver- chapters to Isaiah 1, Isaiah 1, one, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. This is where Isaiah has his vision. And we see throughout the rest of the book what that vision is all about. So what happened to Isaiah? Well, he spent several decades... Not just a couple years, a couple decades, prophesying the coming of Christ, judgment on cities, promises to nations, and instructions to us, his people. He spoke about social justice, the need for repentance, the consequences of disobeying God's law. He also prophesied about the coming of the Messiah, the restoration of Israel, and the future of God's kingdom. The book of Isaiah is full of prophecies about Christ. Often some of the most quoted. If you're taking notes, you can write down Isaiah 614. 714. Pretty much all of chapter 11. All of chapter 53. All about coming the coming of Christ. Like I said before, send me is not just a prayer or a statement. It's a very dangerous prayer. You're opening yourself up to a lot. It requires great faith. It may cause you to step out of your comfort zone and do something totally radical. If you're going to tell God that you're here and send me, you've got to be ready for whatever God has to tell you. So I'll tell you what happened when I obeyed God's calling. But first, let's look, about, let's look at what being called could look like for others. So we know God is too mighty to be disrespected, too holy to treat casualty, too majestic to be taken for granted. God doesn't call the equipped, the qualified, the prepared, the trained, the gifted. However, once he calls you, you may have to get qualified or prepared or trained or have gifts bestowed upon you. God has called all sorts of people We can just find them all in the Bible to start with. We have Noah, who got drunk. We have Isaac, who was a daydreamer. Jeremiah, who was too young. Abraham, who was too old. Elijah, who battled depression. Naomi became bitter. Martha was a worrywart. Heck, we even have John the Baptist who ate bugs. (laughs) God can call anyone. Jesus' disciples were fishermen. Tax collectors, zealots. If you don't know what that is, it's like a politician, someone who's revolutionary. They fell asleep while Jesus was praying. Can you imagine the wrath that you may have faced when you know Jesus is praying and he told you to stay awake and you fell asleep? Peter, we all know Peter, he denied Christ, not once, but three times. Yet God, he was still part of God's inner circle. We have Saul or Paul who hated Christians and then he became one. He became one of our greatest evangelists of the New Testament. All of these people were far from what we would call as defined, equipped, prepared, trained, gifted. They were ordinary people like us. So, what did I choose? I choose to to say, I'm here, God, send me. I chose to go to Guatemala on my first ever mission trip in the summer of 2015. Since then, I've led trips to Guatemala three more times, Nicaragua twice, and Haiti once. And in 2020, I became the missions director here. I've shared my love of missions with many others, And they have had their eyes and minds opened to what it's like to live in a different culture. Even if it's just for 2% of their year. I've raised up other leaders in our church to lead mission trips. I could have responded to God's answer. To say, I'm not going. I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified. Send someone else to my place. I'll support them. But I didn't. However, it was a process to get to that point. What do you do when God calls you to do something big or small? I'm going to give you some some eight pointers of what you could do. The first one is that you could pray and reflect. Spend time in prayer, reflecting on God's guidance and wisdom. Reflect on your thoughts, your emotions, your desires, as you seek clarity about this calling you've gotten. Journal about it, write it down. When I first thought God calling me to a mission trip, he didn't tell me when or where. After much prayer and reflection and six months of that, he finally revealed it to me. I was to go down to Guatemala with a team from another church in Colorado To visit a personal connection down there. The next thing you can do is study scripture. And you can do any of these in any order. You don't have to do all eight. You can do just a few in any order you want. So study scripture. Study the Bible to gain a deeper understanding of God's character, his will, and his purposes. Look for passages that align with your sense of calling. And seek guidance from God's word. If it's a mission that you're going to be called on, whether it's short-term or long-term, Acts and the letters of Paul are a great place to start. Seek counsel. Seek guidance from trusted spiritual mentors, your pastors, or wise individuals that you trust who can provide insight and perspective for you. The next thing is Look for confirming signs or confirmations from God. Sometimes God may provide additional signs, circumstances, or experiences that affirm his calling. However, we have to be cautious to not rely solely on seeking signs, but focus on seeking a genuine relationship with Christ. Signs like adversity, might not be closed doors to you. It might be something to prepare us, to train us, to make us stronger for what lies ahead. When God revealed to me that I was to go to Guatemala, he did so by reminding me of the family of a student I had taught that had moved to Guatemala to start a private orphanage. He told me that it needed to go and encourage them with a visit. So that was kind of like a sign for me. The next thing you need to be doing is being open and surrender. Be open to God's leading. Surrender to your own desires and plans. Surrender to his will. Trust in his wisdom and timing, even if the path ahead seems uncertain or even challenging. I went to Guatemala with a team of 20 complete strangers from a church I had never, ever attended before. Somehow I got hooked in with them when I had contacted my friends in in Guatemala. So I had to be open to what they had planned on their trip and what their thoughts and feelings were. Even today when I meet mission trips, I encourage team members, including myself, to be flexible, to be open, to surrender to your own plans or ideas that you had about going on a trip. Things can change in, in an instant on a mission trip. You've got to be willing to step out of your comfort zone, whether that's praying for a meal, praying with complete strangers in the village, giving a hug, holding a baby even if they're dirty and smelly. The next thing you can do is take steps of faith, practical steps towards fulfilling God's call. This may involve making changes in your life, Seeking opportunities, or engaging in specific actions that align with that calling you received. Trust that God will provide the necessary resources and guidance along the way. Some steps of faith for me were asking others for financial support for my trip, and again, joining a team of complete strangers. Many missionaries will tell you that the hardest thing that they have to do is ask for money. Number seven, it's persevere in trust. Remember that God's calling may not always be easy and following it will be challenging. There may be obstacles, doubts, or setbacks along the way. Stay committed, persevere through those challenges and trust in God's faithfulness. Shortly after arriving in Guatemala my first time, I got stomach sickness. I had to miss out on a church service and visiting the historic town of Antigua. But I was determined to get better so I could serve the people down there. The last thing you can do is to begin learning about your calling. What knowledge will you need? What is your plan? What will you do if you're not effective the first time? You got to practice. Start with small steps. If you want to serve a population overseas, maybe start serving in your own backyard. So not everyone's going to be called to these big and glorious plans that we talked about in the Bible. It might be something like moving to a new place. Leaving one job and taking a new one. It might be talking to the Mormons that live in our area. It might be going to a different state to serve or inner, inner city Denver. It might be volunteering in a ministry here at church. And your bulletin, Duran pointed out, Lots of opportunities there. Could be getting involved in foster care. Or it could be going on a mission trip. You will be called by God. How you respond depends on your heart. How will you respond? Will you respond like Jonah and go the opposite way will you respond like Moses and make excuses and ask God to send someone else or will you answer like Isaiah and be ready and eager to go wherever God calls you or do whatever he asks you to do Samuel says in 1 Samuel 15:22 Samuel 15 verse 22 And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. What will you do when God calls? Will you obey? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, just, we thank you so much for being a part of our lives, Lord. Pray that we would have open minds, open ears, open eyes to whatever it is you have us doing, Lord. Whatever you call us to do, pray that we'll respond in a way that is pleasing to you, Lord. We just thank you so much, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.
0: Much for listening. The gospel, according to the Bible, is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.